Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. And if you, dear listener, enjoy this show, please rate, please review, please subscribe to this show. Smash that subscribe button. Tell someone that you know that you want them to listen to Lamestream. I think that's a fair request. I don't think it's that big of an ask. Our guest today on the show, Jonathan Hutton of Outkick 360. Uh, and uh, of course, the trio of guys now on video for a better part of six and a half, seven months. We're going to talk to him about uh, the tailgate tour going all over the country, uh, traveling for college football on Saturdays, the, the evolution of their product and their show, the future of Outkick 360 and what that does to their content and and how they approach um, you know, marketing their product across different platforms and how they grow it and uh, talk a little bit about Missing Titans Radio as well. So there's a lot of good stuff there with Hutton, of course. He's fantastic to listen to, and uh, uh, we'll have a conversation with him coming up in just a minute. Ratings and recommendations a little bit later on as well. However, Steve Cavendish of the Nashville Banner, Lamestream Sports, is in fact brought to you by... Jaspers? I think it's Jaspers. I'm reasonably certain that it's Jaspers. I am 100% certain it's definitely Jaspers because they write us a check for that every month. (laughs) 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 Jaspers, also a great place to eat some food, great place to park your car, and great place to watch some games. Uh, Great happy hour, uh, constantly evolving, and they have Christmas gifts, of course, $100 gift card, 20% off, and you get a free $20 gift card with that gift card. So go buy somebody else a nice little Christmas gift, an evening at Jasper's and get yourself an evening at Jasper's in the process. So go to their web, go to their website, sign yeah. up for their email. It's the, one of the low, the yeah. lowest ask emails you'll find. Uh, and you get great deals from it all the time. There you have it. Uh, go to Jasper's everybody. All right. Now all that's out of the way. Here is our conversation with Outkick 360's Jonathan Hutton. John, good to see you, man. Welcome to the show. We do appreciate your time today. Braden, Steve, it is, uh, it's great to be back on. It's been a, a year or so uh, since we last chatted, maybe a year and a half. So uh, when, great to be when, back on Lane When Street. last we left you. <laughs> yeah, so you were, for those that don't know, I recommend going back and listening. Jonathan was our first ever guest on the show when we launched this show in September of 2020. You were a host on an FM station and doing Titans Radio. Has anything happened since then? Quite a bit, quite a bit. And Braden, the FM station was 104.5 The Zone. Like, like everyone, <laughs> when I do these, when I do these, they, they, they bounce around and they don't say the zone as if I'm contractually obligated never to mention them again. Like they may not mention my name. I will mention theirs. 104.5 the zone. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, we, we want to sort of get a, a state of the outkick 360 union, so to speak. You guys are in the middle of this long tour for through the college football season. You've grown, changed time slots, uh, change your content a little bit. There's a lot of things going yep. on. So we sort of wanted to kind of g- catch up with you guys now at about what, six, eight months on the air with the new show, roughly speaking. So yeah. take us through sort of some of the decisions that took place at the beginning when you guys launched, you were supposed to be, what was it like 11 to, to three, four hours. Now you've moved to drive time in the afternoon. So sort of take us through sort of the evolution of the first few months and now how you settled into where you are now. Well, so so the biggest thing was the Fox acquisition of Outkick, right? Like that that happened about three months after we signed, and, and no, about three months after we started with with Outkick. So uh, January fifteenth is when 
we agreed with uh, Clay that we were going with him. That was our final day on the air with the zone, and we, we made our announcement. Uh, and we had uh, we, we were sitting out until March, which was fine. We originally had a six-month non-compete. That was down from – it went from January to March is, is what we had it. And honestly, we were not ready to launch immediately anyway. Um, we needed some time to get the studio ready, and mainly because we didn't have a studio. I mean, a lot has happened in the last year, guys. We, we went from not having a studio to going to Blackbird – uh, and, and their studio with John McBride and Martina McBride, who opened their doors to their beautiful studio and gave us six months. And in, in what was just an uh, it was a, their backup vocalist recording studio is where we were. They allowed us to screw into walls and hang lighting and do all kinds of stuff. It was awesome. Um, and then Fox acquired us. And from there, it has been jet fuel. We have a studio at Sixth and Peabody. Uh, we're doing uh, a radio network now. But in between all that, Clay hired us about six months earlier than probably when he needed to. And whenever he met with us, he told us that, you know, our contracts were up and we were available. And he said, look, bigger things are about to happen, but I would love to have you guys a part of a, a bigger ver vision for what I'm doing, which is the OutKick network, um, sports, politics, entertainment. And he wanted us to be the sports branch on the overall tree. Now, did we know that Fox was buying them at the time? No. Um, did we know that he was building something bigger than what he was doing at the site? Yes. And we had a chance to jump on top of that. And, and we did. And um, we, we were along for the ride. And I, I, I've had a blast doing the last few months. It honestly feels like three years already because we've jumped around so much. Uh, but originally, it was the middle of the day just because that's when we, we could do the show. That's when we had studio access. And that's it. Clay was doing his morning show at the time. He then jumped and moved and, and got Limbaugh's old radio slot, which started at the same time we did. So instead of streaming at the same time as Clay, we went on after Clay, which is fine. And turns out that Fox likes that time slot. And, and so does Skyview, which is also carrying our radio network. So long story short, all of the timing of it was never actually agreed to. We just kind of fell into place and it worked out perfectly. So help people out here. When you say Fox, because, yeah. because Fox has changed within the last couple of years, like some of the, some of the Fox stuff was sold off to Disney. Some of it went, yeah. went, went elsewhere. When, when you say Fox, which part of Fox are, are you guys with? It is Fox Corp. Like th that's what it uh, is on my actual like workday account. Right. Um, because we, we get paid through them now. Uh, everything is, is onboarded with Fox. So I'm a Fox employee. Um, and then we are through the Fox News division of the Fox Corporation. And they have handled us like we, like we wanted to, like, like we wanted to be whenever we signed on with OutKick, which was we're sports. We wanted to be the sports branch. And behind that, they've allowed us to go out and do that. With Skyview, they they hired Skyview, the satellite company um, that distributes all these nationally syndicated radio shows, to build the Outkick Network and launch our three-hour radio program. So that's been really cool. Um, but yeah, it's the Fox News branch of Fox Corp, and there are a lot of different umbrellas, uh, well, a lot of different names and and um, titles underneath one massive umbrella um, that that have uh, been you know. I've struggled to get used to. It. I'm not great with names, Steve. Like, um, 
I, I, I know you guys, I know, you know, guys that I've worked with for years, but like, if I, if I meet someone for the first time, I have to repeat their name three or four times before <laughs> I actually remember it. So there are a lot of people underneath the Fox umbrella and I've just now gotten around to realizing that. So you, the, the relationship with Skyview and sort of the syndication, I believe in the press release, Clay said something about, and I'm paraphrasing here, basically that radio is sort of always at the heart of, of OutKick. It's certainly where the three of you guys and, and your yeah. show has, has always come from. You guys are all radio guys by trade starting. Um, and, and Chad said when we spoke with him when you guys launched that, you know, his phrase was, we're going to still just do our show, right? Like that was sort of how you guys described outwardly to people, like what's going to happen. Do you feel like that the show has changed content wise because you're you're not as you know, you're trying to get onto more radio platforms around the country, but that doesn't that changes what you talk about because you're not just on in Nashville. Like how 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 has your content evolved from, quote unquote, your show to sort of now what Outkick 360 is every single day for three hours? Well, we're, we're still uh, the, the show still has the same personality and flow and rhythm with the three of us, with me, Chad and, and PK. Um that that doesn't mean we're talking Titans and Vols for three hours a day, though, right? Um, I'll explain how we've kind of tried to balance it out. So, the first two hours of the show prior to radio, the the Skyview Radio Network, we just did big topic sports headlines of the day, and then the final hour every day was what we called the Tennessee Power Hour, which was all the news and notes that we would be leading our show with in Nashville. We put on in the the largest audience uh, share of the show for the afternoons that we were on, which was that final hour, and we just called it the Tennessee Power Hour. We separated it as a podcast, and and that's what we're going to do moving forward. We will still have the Tennessee Power Hour. We will tape that hour every day prior to going live, and that will be available for affiliates as a bonus hour if they want it. If radio affiliates want to carry four hours, that will be the fourth hour of the show, and. They're, they can air it in the first hour because we're going to pre-tape it. They can air it in the first hour and then meet us live at two o'clock, or they can carry it in the final hour. And as we go off into the sunset every day at five o'clock, they can air it five to six if they so choose, or they can air it later in the evening or whatever they want to do. They can do weekend programming. All that to say, we're still going to do the Tennessee coverage. The Titans happen to be really good this year, which is, well, really good record wise this year, which is great. And, <laughs> and, and from that perspective, we can lead off the show right now talking Titans football because they are a national storyline from the AFC. Who's going to get the top seed overall discussion. So we can work in news and notes on the Titans pretty easily. We can work in news and notes on the balls by mentioning Oklahoma has a job opening and here comes Josh Heupel and what's he going to do. And oh, by the way, Chad, what what has he done this year at Tennessee? Um, we don't. If you tuned into us, I don't think in 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 Tennessee, I don't think you would realize that we are having to speak to an audience about Tennessee sports outside of Tennessee that may not know about Tennessee. And I also think if you tuned in regionally and you listened to us, you would have no idea that we were trying to be broad in our subject matter either. I think, I think we try to do a good job balancing all that. And quite frankly, football drives the, the ship here. And at the zone with the show with Midday 180, we would talk a ton of football. It didn't always have to be Titans. It was NFL. Uh, it was SEC. 
And, and on top of that, it was local coverage. And that's still what we're doing. We're doing NFL, SEC, college football. And we also work in Titans and Vols in, into all that. What you, you tried to build this audience that is, you know, it, it, you're over the top. So you're doing, yeah, you're doing video. You're also doing, uh, you're doing part of this as a podcast. You're doing part of this as, as terrestrial radio. Um, where, where is the, where are the chunks of your audience right now? Where are they coming from? How many of the, how many of these folks are coming to you by YouTube? How many of these people are coming to you by, by radio or by pod or, 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 or how, and then how do you kind of stack all that audience up together? Well, the, the chunk of our audience is on Twitter. Um, we get it, the, the thing I like about that Cavendish is this, we, we get a chance to see our real time number every day. Um, now, it's not broken down for us like time spent listening on on you know Twitter what how much you're watching there but point being if we get if we end the show between 35 and 50,000 on Twitter that's about an average weekday for us and then you get people that will watch after that so Twitter is where where it is for us right now uh, the YouTube page we started streaming our show on Outkick on their YouTube page um, and that was because we just weren't ready to launch our full YouTube channel. We got that built about a month and a half, two months into our show. Uh, and this was prior to moving over to 6th and Peabody with our new studio. And so we've been trying to grow that channel and, and the, the, the audience there with the subscribers. I don't even know the, the number of subscribers right now. It's two, 3,000, 4,000, somewhere in there. Um, but that's the channel that we're growing. And then the radio network. Right now we have four stations and we have more commitments moving forward at the start of the year. And that was always the case. There were many stations that had certain programming with some contracts that were either expiring or that they could opt out of in 2022. And so we have radio stations across the ideas across the Southeast, the SEC footprint. If you have an SEC team in, in your state, we will be in your state in 2022. Um, and then Skyview them jumping on board has even broadened that vision for us. So the the idea is by the end of, if we're doing this in December of 2022, the audience will be on radio. Um, the audience will be uh, omni-channel with all the different streaming areas. And then podcast has been really strong for us, but it was really strong for us at the zone. And we have carried that over. But as far as the live audience, the daily audience, it's on Twitter, but the 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 numbers on on podcast have been really strong as well. So I, I find it fascinating um, because I, it, it has nothing to do with the three of you guys and your talent, and your ability. I think it's a tricky thing because it makes sense. The SEC mentally to me makes sense as a regional topic, right? It's very easy to yep. to, to to target somebody in Houston or Dallas or Arkansas and talk about the Florida Georgia game and make now it Oklahoma and, or Oklahoma <laughs> yeah. and, and make it relevant. Like that's really easy to do in an SEC world, right? Like I think that's a really easy thing to do. Eventually, as your growth model continues to 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 expand, how do you take that same thing and and, and appeal to somebody in Chicago or Denver or Boston or it, like, doesn't the content eventually have to evolve? Because, like, they're not all going to care about Josh Heupel at Tennessee, right? Well, th that's all fair, but but here here is what I've been I've been saying to uh, program directors, station owners. So, if I'm if I wake up today, let's just use today. It's early December. 
if I wake up and turn on the coastal radio networks, if I turn on what's going on on the West Coast, if I turn on East Coast, chances are, I mean, a pretty good chance they're going to lead with something NBA related. Um, and, and that's to me, that's just dumb. I, I, I don't want give me the headlines, but the headlines don't have to include what the Warriors did last night or what the Lakers did because the Lakers draw and the Knicks draw. Even if they suck, they're talking Knicks and how bad they are. Um, they're going to talk LeBron, the, these these individual sports figures, um, Major League Baseball, too, for that matter. Um, although that's not nearly as relevant as the NBA coastally. My point is we will, we will talk football and I would contend Braden. I can talk Alabama football on any state in this country because people watch and know the individuals of Alabama football. Alabama is, you know, I can, I can talk Saban and compare whatever he's doing to whatever Mario Cristobal is making. And I can, I can drive content for you doing that. So SEC, to me, is in a island of its own if we're talking college football. It's SEC, and then it's college football. Now, that's no knock on the Big Ten or the Power Five and what they're doing. I'm just saying football drives it. And I would also say if you're a hockey fan, chances are you'll tune in and stick with me if I'm talking football. If you're a football fan and I'm talking hockey, I may not keep as many eyeballs or listeners on that channel. You would know that based on your time at 1025 the game. Point I think it's broad. I think that would go you could say that locally, nationally, I think that sticks because it's sports fans and the most and, and you will not disagree with this either. The most die-hard sports fans are in the SEC footprint. So if those fans are waking up, they want what we all know they crave, which is college football and the pros. And that's 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 our point. We're not going to ignore the top headlines of the day, if something happens with Otani or if LeBron goes off in the NBA finals or Steph Curry has a three-point shooting streak, we're not going to ignore all that. We're not anti-NBA if it's a headline. We're also just not going to force it and manufacture a storyline because we have you know, some agreement that we have to get our partners involved in what we're doing. That, that's my overall point here. We, we will lead off with what your listeners want to talk about and listen to and engage in. And I don't think that's being done on the national program. I think it's way too broad on the national spectrum. And I think it's also manufactured content mostly. But so your argument is, and I, and I think largely that you're, that you're right, is that football is the driver for all sports talk and that everything else falls in behind it. Yes. But I mean, even in the off season, fo football never, I mean, football's, Football has two seasons. I can't tell you another sport that does. So that that is why I would point to and I'm not saying it has to be 90% football, but I do think you have to focus on what your listeners really there are too many hosts and programmers for that matter that think whatever they're putting on, the sports fan is going to tune in and listen to. And I'm here to tell you that's not the case. And a lot of I think more and more people now can can find genuine opinion instead of flipping on a television station. Um, and I'm talking sports, fl flipping on a television station or listening to ESPN, CBS, Fox Sports Radio, whatever it might be, and know that maybe they're not truly in on this topic, but the co-host is saying one thing, so I'm going to say another, and we're going to battle here. I, I just, 
I don't think that that's very genuine or uh, authentic. And I, you know, you, you say what you want about Feinbaum. I, Feinbaum's authentic. He's going to sit down. He's going to take phone calls. And those phone calls, believe it or not, are real people. <laughs> those people call in and make his show. Like, that's why it's entertaining. And that's why he's allowed to do that format because no one else is doing it. So I, I again, I'm, I'm with Steve and I'm with you. I agree that, like you said, football sort of, and it, frankly, the NFL draft is like its own sport, right? Like it's not even a... Which is, it is ridiculous, it's, it's but its own sport. I, I'm not arguing that, but it, it's, it's its own sport. You're right. So, so with that in mind, again, I guess let's go into the three of you guys and what you three, and, and you don't, I don't want you to speak for them, but just sort of like yeah. your, your own aspirations. Is it to spend more time talking about Matt Nagy and should he be fired as the bears head football coach and the development of Justin Fields or, cause you can't always get every person in again, Seattle or Chicago to care about the right. Titans per se. Do you guys want, like, are your goals to be a regional? We want to really command the Southeast and really dominate the sec and dominate, you know, Titans and NFL. Do you guys want to be spending time arguing about, and authentically, of course, about <laughs> about uh, the, the Chargers and the Rams or the Bears coaching search or whatever. Because, like, again, you guys always dabbled in that stuff. Yeah. When you were a local show, but that wasn't, you know, you weren't, for, forget LeBron and, and, and other sports. Let's just stick with football. There still has to be some element of, like, do we want to be commanding the Southeast? Do we want to be truly national, Seattle to Tampa? Or, like, what do you guys want to do? What's, what's your personal goal? Well, I, personally, um, it, it, it's it's it stayed the same way whenever we we jumped on and tried to launch the Outkick Network. I, I I've had to remind myself that three months is not that long of a time period. Like I, I wanted to rush into things whenever we first jumped on to prove some people wrong, and I had to realize that three months is not that long of a time frame to accomplish some goals here. So, uh, in in answering this, I have to realize that I think you do have to start regionally and then branch out as your show gets more listeners, gets more eyeballs, and people realize the content and the the type of show. Like I, I want people to judge us based on the type of show that we have. And the, the show that we had in Nashville is a show that people listened to and thought, oh, we can branch off and do this regionally. And then I think the people that listen to us regionally will think, oh, this is a show that we can expand nationally. Now, does that mean that it has to be on coast to coast? No but it doesn't mean that it has to be on in just the Southeastern Conference either. I, I do think that it needs to be uh, a football-based show because that's where our roots are, but it's not who we are individually on how we can chat sports topics in, in general. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but I, yeah, I, do, think, I do think we are, rooted, we are rooted in the fall and in, in, in football for that reason. And we can still tie it in locally. We can still bring our base that we had at the zone and and tie it into the bigger topics of the day and still engage that same audience, albeit a, a larger audience. That that's that's our goal is is to be the same trio that we were and carry it over and, and discuss bigger bigger topics of the day and and not have to when I say manufacture not have to come up with another way uh, on a random Wednesday on a bye week to figure out okay so is this the week julio jones is going to come back or not like at some point that topic gets old too so i would love to talk matt Nagy on that day so to to the footprint question you guys have been on a big road show this fall 
taking yeah. taking the uh, the Outkick show around to different tailgates and and different SEC cities. And uh, what have you learned from this? Uh, and what's the experience been like? Kind of being out there every Saturday morning. Is Claire pro you leaving every weekend or <laughs> anti you leaving every weekend? So whenever we had the tour uh, announced, she was excited because she knew that I was that I really enjoyed the Titans radio aspect of what I did. Um, so she's like, I'm really glad you get to travel because she knew I she knew I enjoyed traveling with those guys, and she knew that I would love traveling here as well. So she she was pumped about it. Um, by the end of the road trip, I'm sure she's ready for me to be home because here, the, the difference between the two is give her on average, every other weekend I was out of town with Titans football, uh, where you have 10 home games, 10 away games. If you count the preseason, uh, with this, it was every weekend. Now at the time we didn't know it was going to be every weekend. It was just kind of a, okay, I'll kick 360, go to Knoxville. So we did, we went to Knoxville for the Thursday night game when we didn't really know if it was going to be a, a, a weekend show at that point. Um, the following week, they went to Arkansas for Arkansas, Texas. And then they called and, and Fox called and said, um, we're going to send you guys to Gainesville. And this was four days prior to the game, game day. So we, we flew down to Jacksonville, shot over to Gainesville, stayed in a really, really bad Airbnb that Chad Withrow booked, <laughs> and um, and and it was off from there. And I thought, I, I think they saw the setup, uh, Steve, at the at the at the Gainesville spot where we were just set up next to the big noon kickoff bus setup and and Clay's area for for his live shot, and thought we can make this a lot bigger and grander. We had one or two cameras, and it was just uh, underneath the tent, and that was it in Gainesville. Um, every other stop, three cameras, um, a crew of about seven people behind the scenes just for Outkick the tailgate, and th they put a lot of money and resources into it to make it really good, and, and they advertised it during the week. Um, the mornings were what was the most difficult challenge. I'm not a morning person to begin with. I'll get up and do a show for that, though. Like, it it, um, it was awesome. But the, the difference is when you have a 7 o'clock kickoff and you're out there at 8 o'clock in the morning, uh, the bars literally shut down four or five hours previous to you going live on the air. Chances are you're not going to have a lot of uh, people out there tailgating yet. Uh, they're going to be uh, hungover, grabbing, a, you know, grabbing some food and trying to rally for what is going to be an epic tailgate that starts around noon. And <laughs> that's what we learned. Uh, I think we've got to either back up the show or do it a, a day before in the crowd. Um, uh, other than that, it was a massive success. Like I, um, getting out the night before, we filmed a show the night before uh, with Clay uh, that's streaming on Fox Nation. And it's just kind of a, it, it's more or less a video version of his of his book um of dixieland delight where he just goes around and shows off all these different um tailgating scenes and and bar scenes and fan bases of the sec and chad and i got to tag along for that it was it was really cool um the, the i also learned that there are a lot of people that just fly in and do these shows behind the scenes that make it happen because combined i bet fox had 20, 25 people uh, for crew 
on a weekly basis that got there. And literally all we did was show up and, and host a sports show. They, they paired us up with Jill Savage, who was excellent. Uh, Chad and I flew in together. Uh, Paul would go cover the Titans. So he was off to Foxborough while we were off to Athens. I mean, it was a, it was a crazy fall and it was every week we would tape our 360 show Friday mornings and then fly out around noon, wherever we were headed, we would, uh, we needed to be in, in the city and mic'd up by six, go to dinner, do all that stuff, wake up the next morning on literally no sleep, do the show. And then half the time we'd go to the game, half the time we'd fly out. But it was a it was a blast, and it 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 ended in Atlanta with a big bang at Stats Brew Pub, where we had quite the crowd because that was that was a show where we backed up the start time, and everybody was ripping and roaring and ready to go. I yeah, I just wonder if there's enough proof of concept on a traveling pregame college football Saturday morning show. Um, <laughs> I just I'm just curious about that. Um, no, did you well, miss? But, but but that but that's a good but that's a good question though because. Everybody thinks that game day owns uh, that space 100%. And there are obviously opportunities to do different things and to do kind of, kind of adjacent things and to also, you know, not be in the one city that game day happens to be in and, and, and yeah. has, and has set up like this, you know, huge traveling carnival. What, uh, what you guys found, obviously that there, that there was something that there was something out there to be done besides you know besides game day well and honestly i mean it, here's how it came about so big noon kickoff and fox were going to use clay and they they decided they wanted a they wanted a space they wanted a, a feel a connection to the sec because they're going to be uh for you know big 10 and they're going to cover the big 12 and they're going to ultimately be be live at those games they're going to be live at ohio state michigan but they want uh, some coverage across the SEC. So they sent Clay out and they were going to have this tour bus and they did all these things. And then they just attached us to the bus and said, oh, while you're there, go do a live three-hour streaming show and just preview the college football game day. That that was the idea. And I, I will say it's more than just college game day that you compete with. It is ESPN and ABC and Disney and their contracts with the Southeastern Conference. Because nine times out of 10, we couldn't get on campus with our, with our bus or, you know, with our setup because ESPN has contractual rights to that footprint. So the, the challenge, and it wasn't on me, it was on our, our staff and they, they did a solid job was finding a location that was big enough to host the, the, the crew that we were bringing in. And a lot of these college bars don't have a lot of space. So, and, and, and the space is the bus and, and, and then adjacent to us is, is their crew and their setup with all the lighting and gear and everything involved in that. So, um, you know, you've got the, you've got Tebow's show, you've got Marty and McGee that were set up. I mean, it, no matter where we went, uh, ESPN and, and, and ABC and all that, they, they did a great job having a presence at those games because they would also bring their crew and their bus and have one of their shows there. And, and because they were there, we, we stayed away. That, that's just how it is. It would be the same if they were at a big noon kickoff event. So that was the biggest challenge was just trying to figure out where we were going to be week to week. Well, and, and I think the Friday evening thing is fascinating to me too, because again, also a space that no one else is really occupying. I also think when we, when we talk, college well, there's a uh, Braden, there's, there may be some, some TV 
elements to a Friday night show that Saturday morning wouldn't give us. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Like you talked yeah. about the, the people not being there at like 7 a.m. or whatever. Right. Like I've been to I've been to a couple of game day sets where you're just like the game is like 12 hours away. And like I, Herbie's actually talked about it. It's hard to get, especially a neutral site game. It's hard to get people yeah. to show up at 8 a.m. Uh, at like Charlotte <laughs> for a game that kicks off at like 8 p.m. The- I, I think the other angle of this and I don't mean just let me I want you to comment on this. The other okay. angle of this is to your point about Dixieland delight and sort of there is a vastness to a college town that doesn't get covered very often. And, and that is food, culture, music, bars, all this other stuff. And that is stuff that makes Auburn Auburn. It's what makes Fayetteville Fayetteville. It's what makes these places so fun and and unique, but you don't really get much of that on, on either the big, any of the big network shows that get to do that. So I, I think going where people are not is a really important lesson in what you guys did. No, uh, I mean that, that, and you're exactly right. And, and those people are out on Friday nights preparing, you know, for the game, they're getting, they're getting ready, you know, they're preparing their tailgate stuff. Like, and that's, that's what we were doing. We're just going in the heart of that. And, and it, you know, that, that's another uh, great point uh, with the, with the crew, there was a separate crew for that show too. That was, that would fly in on Friday. So again, the, the 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 amount of people and the resources that went into this was nuts and and the, the idea moving forward would be how do we package that into a show on Fridays because the the challenge on the Saturday morning idea it's not like oh just go at 8 a.m we were trying to lead into we did not want to um, stream a show that would compete with a game on Fox and so the game the big noon kickoffs kicking at 11 a.m central so we had to be off the air by then that's that's why we started as early as we did. And Clay, we also started when Clay was on Big Noon Kickoff because when he was not doing his hits, he would pop on our show and give his, you know, FanDuel pick of the week or whatever it what might be. Lamestream Sports is brought to you by Steve Cavendish of the Nashville Banner. Who? Jaspers! 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 The mic didn't cut out at all on that one. Nice job. Good good job. Do what I can. There you go. Go to Jasper's, everybody. Um, so you were at Jasper's and have a culinary take. Because, listen, they are the next evolution of the sports bar. The parking is free. The specials are great. The food is wonderful. It's a great place to watch a game. However, you went during a different time of the week this, this past week and have learned something about Jasper's that you'd Funny like to mind. share with the good people of Lame Street. Buddy of mine was in town, uh, staying at a, uh, at a hotel around the corner, and I said uh, we wanted to watch. Uh, our our wives were off uh, doing some wife things, and so we. <laughs> Wait, what does that mean? Uh, anyway, uh, so so I so I said uh, I said to him I said hey I said why don't you walk down uh, why don't you walk down to Jasper's I'll meet you down there I can park my car for free, and then uh, we can and we can grab lunch. Like great, uh, we co- we were down there to catch the noon kickoffs. The brunch menu was on on a Sunday morning, and so uh, one of the things that a, a chef taught me this years ago, uh, and and it's it's something that I always look for. Um, one of the giveaways for whether or not a kitchen is operating at a high level uh, is is egg cookery, is is the ability to cook eggs well. Egg because cookery. you can you can screw it up very easily, and it, you have to have a kitchen that that is 
that, that's not just throwing food out there that, that they're that they're that they're on it. Uh, my my so five year old, by the way, Steve, if you if you overcook the yolk, she says, "Where's my juice, Dad?" <laughs> she, she wants them over awesome. easy. She wants them over easy, and uh, it's an important it's an important skill. You got to get it right. So my buddy orders uh, orders the omelet special, uh, and it was it, it was an omelet, and, and in the middle of it, it had I can't remember if it was burrata or or uh, like mozzarella, but it was it was like a very kind of like uh, creamy cheese, and then Ooh. and slices of tomatoes. The omelet was folded over it, and it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. On an omelet, when you see when, when you see browned pieces on it, you know they have overcooked it. And there wasn't a single bit on there. It was light and fluffy. Uh, it was just it was just damn near perfect. Uh, and, and it was it was really really impressive. And I was glad because I was taking my buddy here because I was like. I was like, we'll go to Jasper's because I know we'll, we're going to have a great meal. Your takes a big bite of it. Your reputation's and he's like, on the line. Yeah, yeah. Takes takes a big bite of it, and he's he's like, damn, that's a great omelet. I was like, well. So I think this is funny because I thought, first of all, it's a great story. Um, go to Jasper's, um, and I would expect nothing less of the wonderful folks at Jasper's. H- however, I, I did. I was wondering if this was just sort of like Steve Cavendish, like food critic snobbery, or or if this came from like. You're saying this is like a like a source, like a chef has said this is actually a really critical thing to keep an eye on. Yep. It's not just your experience as a master connoisseur of food. If a, if a kitchen, if if you go out to breakfast someplace and a kitchen is is screwing up their eggs, you you know that the kitchen's not run very right. well. I think that's that sounds about right. So uh, Jasper's Kitchen, super tight, love it, love it. Go to Jasper's, buy yourself a gift card. By the way. $100 gift card, for, excuse me, buy someone else the gift card for Christmas, $100 gift card, you save 20%, you only pay $80, so there's $20 they're giving you, and they'll give you a $20 gift card for yourself, so you're getting $40 for yourself when you buy a $100 gift for someone else. How about that at Jasper's? Great happy hour for Preds games, home and road, $3 domestics, $10 smash burger, fantastic. Uh, of course, the parking is always free. There you have it, folks. What else do you need to know? Go to Jasper's. How, how easy, hard, how much did you miss Titans radio this year? Uh, that that was, I mean, I I, I loved it. I, I love those guys. Um, you and I and, and Steve, we talked about it on our, our previous uh, podcast here on Lamestream. Um, and I grew up with it. And then I worked for them straight out of college in 2005. Junior year of college was the year I interned with Mike and, and Larry Stone. And, uh, and from there it was off to the races and we, we did it for 16 years in, in various shapes and forms and different roles that I had, but the consistent theme was the crew. So it was tough. You know, I, uh, I, the, the athletes say they missed the locker room. I missed that camaraderie and the, the laughing, the travel back and forth, the tear down, the setup, all that, you know, that, that was the, the toughest part of it. And then, you know, on certain game days, it's still weird, um, we were sitting up, I think, together at one of the preseason games at the <laughs> I was there's certain time cues of uh, of the game where it's like, you know, under five minutes, they're probably getting their final commercial break in. Then there's a two minute warning. And I'm I'm triggered by those time cues. And I'm looking around going, man, I have nothing to do right now other than prepare <laughs> for News Channel five. Like it was it was weird. <laughs> it was really weird. But, um, you know, the college tour kind of took my mind off of things because we're traveling back sometimes on Sunday mornings, but it's, it's been a strange fall, not being a part of it, but I, I, I do, I still tune in. People are 
you know, people think I don't tune in or that I don't still keep in touch with all those guys. I do. I'm just not there behind the scenes uh, watching Mike and, and Matt do their thing or Rhett crack a joke or, you know, uh, Brad and Phil uh, get things going and, and keep things on air. Uh, you know, it's just it, it's been a weird fall from that angle. But at the same time, like I, I still keep in touch and, and hang out with those guys. So it, at least it's been normal from that sense that a lot of that uh, a lot of that behind the scenes stuff informed Titan stuff that you would talk about on the radio. I mean, you you weren't necessarily giving away state secrets, but I mean, your proximity made you oh, made yeah. you a, a an invaluable sort of host of Titans topics. Uh, not has not being around that affected uh, affected how you talk Titans. Um, maybe in a little, maybe in some sense, maybe I, I may be more uh, willing to put my foot down on the pedal on a, a couple of different topics now, you know, like if they, when they lose to the jets or lose to the Texans, you know, which are just, I mean, it's embar- It's an embarrassing loss for them because they're much better than them. They're losing to the worst team in football, but you know, I, there, there may be certain issues that I'm not privy to behind the scenes on, on why certain things happened or um, distractions that I know about that I also would not report. I uh, just because it's off the record once you get on the team flight, and and I would never um, go against certain rules on that. But the 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 aspects of can I put my foot down and be harsh? Yeah, but honestly, like I told you guys, they they never once came to me and said I couldn't say something or that I needed to tone it down. I never thought I was really towing the line, but there were some instances with you know Wiz and Hunt and malarkey and the handling of, you know, whether or not they were going to interview anybody other than malarkey, um, certain things that I did, I went all in on and not once did they say, Hey, you know, Hutton, shut up, leave that up to Paul or what? No, it was, they, they were always cool with that. And, you know, they, they, they've been fine behind the scenes with me this year too, with some of the things I've said. So, and, and they're really good this year. They, they should, I, I, I honestly think, uh, being harsh with them on, on losses as a team is actually a compliment <laughs> because they should be held to a higher standard based on expectations for the team, which they've earned. They've earned really high expectations, which is a great thing. So I think they also realize that part of it. One of the one of the things you, you talked about, um, Twitter being sort of the live piece of this, Twitter and other places have done these kind of audio spaces. I mean, I think Twitter's is called spaces, you know, yeah. there's club, there's clubhouse, Spotify has green room. Uh, have you guys played around with any of this? And, uh, and well, I guess let me ask that first. Have, have you played around with, with, with taking like, like, you know, a, a, a conversation to spaces where people can sort of interact with you there or we haven't or, tried that yet. I have joined in on a conversation as a guest on that, but I haven't done the, the show format aspect of that i think there's some 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 possible uh post-game elements or pre-game chats we could do uh or, you know gatherings the 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 other one would be instagram i think there's like an instagram live thing that we we dabbled in um and, and here's funny enough like our, our last two or three interns that we've had they know this stuff a lot better than i do now right <laughs> they 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 know it like i'm not on tiktok 
I'll show them an Instagram story and they're like, oh yeah, that was on TikTok six months ago. You know, <laughs> like they just repurposed. And I'm like, okay. So uh, we, we wrote out like this long, like, here's what we're good at. And here's what we know we don't know. Handle this, like build, build the, the online presence for social media, um, not necessarily execution wise, but give us the brick and mortar of what we need moving forward. So the last two semesters for them have been about just trying to grow that presence, making sure we have login information and that we're constantly feeding stuff to that site. Like that, that's where we need to really expand. And that that's where, you know, even off the air show purposes, it, where you're constantly um, at the, at the forefront of whatever's going on, reacting in real time. I think that's the next level stuff for us is just, engaging the audience on the social platforms other than Twitter, other than just sending a tweet, because for the last decade, that's all we've really had to do. And now it's much more than that. And there are so many different, as Twitter would say, spaces to, to jump on. Right now, we've we've dabbled in it, but nothing, nothing crazy yet. What have you learned? Because all that stuff you just talked about is all about the visual element. It's all about the video side of things. Your, yeah. Your tailgate tour is all about the the video side of things, streaming live on YouTube is about the video side of things. W what have you guys learned over the first six months about how different it is to be in front of cameras? It's not like you weren't ever in front of a camera. You've been in front of a camera a lot, but just doing the show and then interacting with people. How is, what have you learned through that process of the visual part of that? Well, the, the criticism, um, <laughs> it comes in different forms now, you know, <laughs> like you can't, uh, the, the first show we did, like did you get enough uh, sleep last night, Hutton, what's going on with the, with the bags? Is that what happens? Yeah. 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 The, or, 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 um, you know, uh, funny enough, the, we had a, I did not have a table or a desk in front of me for the first I, show. I was I sitting remember. in the middle, the crotch, the crotch fall and chatter <laughs> on either side. And the, the set that they built, I was just kind of more or less like a fireside chat, like, I needed my Cavassier and a cigar, right? <laughs> and I had no room for notes. Like, it was just me. And this camera was angled at a way where you mentioned, you know, what are, what's up with the bags under my eyes? This, can, this camera was a crotch shot. Like, and so they, the way it was angled was just unfortunate for me. And the next day, they finally brought in a, a desk. I was like, "This, this has to change." And then, but I said, "Read these comments. And this has to change. Give me something to cover up." And they, 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 they did. So that that was uh, that's something we learned pretty on um, early on is that they can they can see all of you, and uh, that that sometimes in my case is very unfortunate for the audience. So. Uh, that, that's, that's been one thing. The, the other thing is just knowing that, um, I think, I think here's the, here's the thing that the trick that as a trio we're, we're still working out is the radio audience is not going to see things that we put up on screen. So I think it's easier to do the, the, the video elements because you can just throw up a, here's the top 15, uh, AP poll. And just chat through it. But on radio, I think you've got to be more precise and specific on, okay, Ole Miss is ahead of Baylor this week, but they dropped down two spots to 13. I wouldn't necessarily have to say that if you're watching it. Or if you're watching a highlight, if Paul brings something back from a practice of a fight, you know, you can roll the fight and laugh and cut up with it. But honestly, if you're listening to it, you need to be more descriptive. 
So that that's the balance is being descriptive, but also not being overbearing to your viewing audience. There is there is a balance to that that I don't know if we figured out yet, but I think we're getting better at it. What is the next step for Outkick 360? The next step is executing the plan that has been laid out. Uh, and um, we, we have four or five meetings a week on, on Zoom or in person with all these different um, companies or um, branches on the umbrella, executing the plan um, as a big, as a larger unit moving forward. You know, Dockage is on now. We've got um, 360 on three hours uh, in, in the afternoons. It's growing, it's growing the platform on the radio network. It is making sure that we continue to grow our base on the video platforms and then monetizing that uh, moving forward. There's a plan that's, that's ready to be rolled out next year. And we need to make sure that we do everything in our power to, to make sure that we're a part of that rollout in a big, big way. We will be, but that we're we're truly ready to go whenever that happens. I wish I could give you more details on that, but um, Doc, oh, you can. Dockage it's just it's just the three of us. Let's go. Yeah, well, Dockage won't be the last hire, and and it also uh, would include some bigger things for hosts and other platforms. I don't know if it's necessarily going to be shows. It's not. It's not all about okay. Here's another version of Outkick 360, or here's the Dan Dockett show, don't at me. I don't know if it's necessarily going to be shows as much as it is going to be um, individuals and content creators for the overall thing. And, and I think the, the other thing too is trying to figure out how we can, you know, grow the, grow the site, you know, the, the, the sports elements of the, of the site itself. I would love to be able to stream live on that website every day, instead of just pushing people to YouTube, have a sports section and just stream it live there as another channel, so to speak, of the show. There, there are many things that we still have to get in order before we're there, but we're, we're much closer now because we've now got a firm seat. We're rooted in, in what we're doing instead of waiting on uh, an acquisition, waiting on a studio. Um, we, we've got those now. Now it's just about using that jet fuel to propel us to you know, bigger and better things. Yeah, it's interesting you guys talk about syndication, and certainly that's great for radio audience, but and this is what sports teams are doing. Like, why why wait for a network to help you distribute when you can just do it yourself? Yeah. <laughs> like we can do it all. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I mean that's a, that's what they're doing. But but the 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 you know, even though the Titans will 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 localize it, even though the Titans have Wyatt, um, the Tennessean still covers them. So, you know, that the you, you can still have everything and still keep some things in house as well. So I, I think that's, that's the idea is you want to be on every possible footprint and cloud that you could be on to make sure that you can reach the largest audience because no one is in, not everyone is on every platform. Like I just mentioned, I'm not on TikTok. Well, my interns are barely on Twitter now. You know, it's a, it's a much older audience and I'm calling myself old. I'm in my mid thirties, you know, but that that's, that's kind of the you, you have to. I've, I've got to get better at realizing that the the age groups that we want to reach, um, younger and older, are on much different platforms than what I'm on on a daily basis. Do you do you think a year from now, and then maybe two years from now, where are people are more people going to be watching you or listening to you? I think more. Oh, that's a great question. I don't know. I don't know because I, I I do think we're going to really take off with the show on radio. 
I think the focus from I think the focus from the studio aspect and everything else will be video. So I would say video. Um, and I, I would also say video because I think what we will be doing will be more than just the show. You know, I think we will be doing side things. If we do a podcast that, and there will be more podcasts coming as a part of this plan. Um, I, I think those would also be video platform based. So I think more people would have an opportunity if we're going to count you as three clicks instead of one, more people will be watching us than, than listening to us over 2022. But that that's, that's tough because I, it depends on if we can land some of the bigger markets like Atlanta or Houston. And advertisers like visual mediums. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, no doubt. Hutman, uh, thank you for giving us so much of your time. You're always very gracious with us, and we do appreciate it. Uh, hey, congrats on the success and in, uh, in the future as well. So. Thank you, guys. Where where is Lamestream a year from now? <laughs> Wait a second. This is not how this works. <laughs> this, this is not how this works. No one's asked you that question. Where, <laughs> no. where is Lamestream a year from now? Um, th- this show is not particularly conducive to the visual element. Um, (laughs) thanks man hey appreciate the hell out of that hey but that's 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 cavendish's backdrop it's not it has nothing to do with Braden. steve (laughs) you could really use an upgrade sir oh my god your studio i could use an upgrade in so many ways my well no you sound you sound great but Braden's. i mean Braden's even got his mug in in frame here oh, lighted. I mean, he's it's like, it, he's got a little 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 Jasper's uh little, little yeah. Jasper's uh, ad there. That's it's fantastic. very nice product um, placement, baby. Product placement. You guys could absolutely turn this into a YouTube show. I mean, I don't, I mean, I, I, when I say YouTube, like you can monetize it in so many different ways. Oh sure, Braden, you Braden, you just said advertisers love video elements. I'm, I'm, you should I'm, have. You should. I'm well on. aware. I'm well aware, Hutton. <laughs> Get this thing, get this thing going. I'm well aware. Why don't you talk to your boss? Have him give me a call. All right. Hey, he's, it, 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 <laughs> Hey, he's, he's got plenty of money right now. So <laughs> you might as well. Everybody else is calling him. Uh, hopefully in all seriousness, hopefully uh, we are just t- helping people be smarter consumers of media, man. Like uh, that's, it started with just him and I being yeah. nerdy, nerdy media wonks, just trying to talk about stuff that we care about. And hopefully that's, hopefully people like it. Hopefully people listen. I think you guys do a show that is based on, authentic personality and uh, yeah. i think that's what my network has been built on and i th- hope people enjoy this show and you know we'll do some nasal gazing at some point but whatever well whenever that happens uh well, please have me back on have me back on before then but uh because I, I love talking about the business of of air i think i sit around and think about this stuff all the time like like it's uh it's all, more or less a hobby so uh, i'd love to just sit back and chat <laughs> Like about anything other than 360. Like we could we could just talk about media in general and have a great chat. Um, and and if not, I'll just I'll try to get Chad to to bring back Chit Chat and I'll I'll do another version of his podcast. <laughs> well, and then we can get Paul to sort of reevaluate his own psychological problems, and then we can it'll be, it'll be great. So <laughs> Paul, Paul would crush it. We still need that. Uh, uh, we still need that. We we need Paul on lamestream is what we need. You think that could happen? I, I, I think it's coming. Um, that's up to him. The invitation is open. So, you think? Oh, you think it's coming? I can't wait. I can't wait to tell him that today. <laughs> <laughs> I better text him right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, uh, hey, Paul. Brayton said you're coming on Lame Street. I can't wait to see his reaction. <laughs> I, I, I did not. I did not say that. I said. The invi- <laughs> I said the invitation is open. 
<laughs> that is what I said. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> awesome. So Hutton, much there. Thanks, man. Thank you. You're the best. Thank you, guys. Appreciate Good it. Good to see you. Thanks, Hut. Oh, that was Jonathan Hutton of Outkick 360, of course. I, you can find him on every single platform a- across the world, except for apparently TikTok. Um, so <laughs> he's, come on, Hutton, get on TikTok, baby. Um, I, listen, I, I think th- their product is, is, is a unique experiment that, uh, as he said, is propelled now by some jet fuel from some big dollars. And um, they're going to continue to evolve and change. And um, it, man, it's it's a lot of fun seeing how creative you can get with the amount of content that they're churning out. Every time I talk to Hutton, I, the, I, I have a hard time not just listening to him. I mean, I'm listening to him. His pipes are just oh, goddamn perfect. Aren't they? <laughs> Aren't they? That voice is that vo- I'm, I'm sorry, man. I, I have a, I don't have a, I don't, I don't have a crush on Hutton, but I mean, that <laughs> voice is just, is just butter. As, it's just uh... absolute butter. As someone who gets voice envy very rarely, <laughs> I, I I can acknowledge Hutton has some pipes. Yes, yeah. I mean I'm I, I'm fair. a I'm a nasally little weasel. Yeah, you and uh, Adam, you and Adam Vingen. <laughs> yeah, but no, uh, you, you're exactly right. And, and the interesting thing to me is is that it looks like this show is going to take, you know, it, it's going to kind of consistently morph, whether it's for the video piece of this or for more radio. Or, or for kind of you know, he talked about you know doing the power hour and yeah, segmenting breaking that off as a yeah. as a podcast. But but the, at the heart of all of that is the three is the three of those guys, uh, and the, you know they've kind of made this pact. Right, we are the show, and no matter what, no matter how they build it, whether it's whether it's a video thing that you see on YouTube or whether it is something that's coming in over your car radio, you know. The, the three of them are what drive are, are what drive it and make it interesting. Um, and, and they're, they're uh, it's, it's kind of fun to watch them try to figure out like, how are the different ways that we can, we can be in as many places as, as, as humanly possible. And I, th- and I think they're right. I, I, I think that strategy of theirs of trying to be dominant within the sec footprint fits with what they do best. Yeah. And it also fits with sort of the, the, you know, being attached without being attached to Outkick. What Outkick, kind of, kind of the the audience that they reach best, you, you is is within the SEC, uh, and and it's like he said, you know, they view football and college football as a big piece of that, as being the dominant lens through which sport, which most sports talk happens. Yeah. Um. You know, I would disagree with him a, a little bit about um, about the NBA. I mean, the NBA, NBA, particularly in, in and he said, you know, in the coastal cities, but not, you know, the NBA's big in Memphis. I mean, people talk a lot of when the Grizzlies are hot. People talk a lot of Grizzlies in Memphis, and and that and because the, because of the personalities that those teams have built in the in past years. Um, but it's 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 localized. It nothing spreads throughout a region, yeah. Uh, and, and like like football, I I do find. Um, and again, like I said, I think they're completely capable of doing it. But I do think there are some tensions there between the the. He's right. You can kind of view everything in the college football, you know, through the lens of the SEC. I don't think you can do that through the lens of the Titans. I, I don't think you can talk about the NFL in, you know. 
20 of the biggest markets in America through the lens of the Titans. And I think they know that. I think they're capable. As he said, he'd much rather talk Matt Nagy during the bye week than anything else. Right, right. So, but I, I don't think you can avoid Dak Prescott, you know, or whatever. And I don't think, frankly, even on their local show, when they were doing just a local show on 1045, I don't, you know, they still covered plenty of national NFL topics on that show. So there, there oh, is yeah. a ba- there's a tension and a balance there and, and working through. And he sort of, you know, he sort of landed on, we want to, you know, grow gradually from our footprint into a regional footprint out, outward into the tentacles and sort of see how it grows from there. So um, I, I think they're doing it all the right way. And like you said, well, and the, being the on Titan, every, every platform possible. <laughs> the, the Titans being good has given them a more organic way of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, because it, it exactly. lets them it lets them flow out of uh, what they've done naturally for years. Um, you know, them being one of the best teams in the AFC, at least record wise right now, uh, has given them has given them license to to kind of use that as a as a starting point in certain in certain situations. And, and I think ties into our episode last week where we sort of got off into a social media conversation mm-hmm. and you could hear him there at the end mentioning this just about. The, the different types of executions of content on different types of platforms and the different audiences that are consuming those different types of content on these different platforms, it's all constantly changing. And to have people sort of grasping all of that and understanding all of that and doing all of that um, is, is critically important to the future of every single media company in, in the world. All right, let's get into uh, ratings and recommendations. So for the first time all fall, Stephen, as you look at our ratings, we'll get to recommendations in just a second. Uh, a college football game is number one. Big shock. In the market. It is also the number one most watched college football game of the entire year in the city of Nashville. Of course, number you one had, on the list. You had one job, Georgia. <laughs> well, also, it happened to fall during the bye week for the Titans, for the Titans too, because the Titans number is traditionally much higher than this one, actually. But by far the most watched college football game in the in the city of Nashville throughout the entire course of the regular season for college football, the SEC championship game, a 21.0 Titans games have been between 30 and 24, basically. So had there been a Titans game this weekend, it probably would have obviously beaten the SEC championship game. Uh, number two, Ravens Steelers. Um, number three, Broncos Chiefs. Number four, Cowboys Saints. And how about this? Number five, the Big 12 championship game pulled a 9.6, which is, I mean, again, that's almost 100,000 people or more, a little bit more than that. Again, all this courtesy of Mark Benda, News Channel 5, each rating point worth about 11,000 TV homes. So you're talking about, you know, a little over about 100,000 TV homes watching a Big 12 championship game, which I find interesting because I think it has to do with, it was an early window, it was the 11 a.m. window. To me, Steve, that's about the stakes, is it not? Like they're oh yeah, Oklahoma State could get. I mean, yes, it was also literally a final play, inches from from winning a championship game, either direction, right? Like Oklahoma State dives for the pylon at the end of the game. So great game, drama, championship. But the but Oklahoma State probably could have gotten into the playoff had they won that game. I think that's where you see two random teams that Nashville doesn't normally care about register this high on 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 a ratings book, almost a ten. Um, again, SEC championship game, 21.0. That, that's to be expected when, when Bama does something shocking. Georgia. <laughs> oh, Georgia. Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. I mean, I, I realize there's another, there's another entire podcast develop, um, devoted to this thing, but come on, guys. Anyway. You, you, mean like, you mean like on the 440 Sports Network, perhaps? Uh, yes. Well, this is a perfect segue then because 
Yes, on this week's Fringe Element podcast, Stephen Godfrey had many things to say about Georgia. <laughs> um, I think he might have overreacted a little bit to what we saw. Maybe it's because he's from the state of Georgia and he you know, has these historical contexts swirling around in his brain at all times when it comes to state of Georgia sports teams. And let's be honest, the Braves winning the World Series probably set every other team in the state back like 50 years. So he, he's a little harsh. But if you'd like a really spirited conversation about what the hell happened to Georgia, <laughs> go check out Fringe Element. That is not my recommendation. My recommendation today will be go listen to all of Stephen Godfrey's podcast. This is his time of year when you're looking for a college football coach. It uh, doesn't matter if you're at the group of five level, LSU, whatever. Godfrey is your guy. We obviously love the Fringe Element podcast and support that podcast, but he also does Split Zone Duo. You can go check out those shows. They do all kinds of shows, like four or five of them a week. And it is all across the country in college football. It is as good a content as you'll find in college football. And I say that as someone who creates his own college football content. <laughs> so um, go check out the Split Zone Duo podcast. It is Some of it is paid for, so you, you have to pay for it, which is an interesting model from a media conversation standpoint. But he's carved out a really cool niche, and uh, those guys do great work. Go listen to Split Zone Duo. And uh, yeah, there you go. Steven, listen to all things Stephen Godfrey for college football, especially this time of year. A lot of insight on the coaching searches. Stephen Godfrey is always a good recommendation. I have I have two recommendations that are, are not Stephen Godfrey. I'm sorry. One is, so I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, um, the New York Times, uh, the, the New York Times Obits Twitter feed, specifically something in there after we taped that episode, uh, Stephen Sondheim died. Uh, Sondheim is arguably the biggest figure in American uh, musical theater. Um, he, he got his, he, he got his chops doing, uh, uh, doing part of West side story, but he's done classics throughout. Uh, there are any number of different things of his that you have seen, uh, but he's arguably the, the biggest sort of figure, but the obit that the times wrote for him, uh, it, uh, the obit is by Bruce Weber uh, is like one of the best just slices of history you'll ever read. It is so good. It is so, so good. Even if you're not into, uh, even if you're not into musical theater, you'll absolutely love this. Uh, you'll absolutely love okay. this piece. I am not in a musical theater, so I'll check it out and I'll test your theory. How about that? Uh, the other one is a tactics piece. It's in the athletic. So uh, I'm going to butcher his name. Ralph Rangnick is the new interim coach of Manchester United. Now, I know there's a lot of Manchester United fans. Listen, there is a tactics piece by John Mueller on uh, on November 27th called Will Ralph Rangnick's brand of unfiltered aggression on and off the ball suit Manchester United? And he breaks down how Rang Rangnick's teams have played. I think it's really interesting for a couple of different reasons. Hmm. One, Rangnick it was brought in to be this interim coach after they fired uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and uh, to impose this new style of play on Manchester United, you know, one of the biggest clubs in the world, radically changing how they play the set. And, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of kind of really interesting implications for like people like Cristiano Ronaldo, who don't really play defense anymore. And, and Any, kind of like anymore. <laughs> uh, okay. Ever. Uh, and so, that part of it, the, that part of it, and and the and the article deals with that will be interesting. The other piece of it that's really interesting is 
he has a couple of Americans who are working for him. Uh, he just hired Chris Armas, former U.S. national team midfielder, who was the coach in uh, New York Red Bull and in at Toronto FC uh, as one of his assistants. Jesse Marsh, who was recently fired as the as the head of Bundesliga club uh, RB Leipzig, is also uh, I think last night was brought in as an assistant as well. So th- th- there's some American implications uh, for this for this experiment, which is only going to go on through the end of the year because Manchester United is going to hire a new coach at the end of the year. It will not be Armas or, or Marsh, <laughs> uh, but it's it's fascinating. And if you want to know kind of like what the style of play is, and, and you see this in MLS because the Red Bull experiment is to impose this style of play across all of their clubs in, in, in different leagues, including Germany, Austria, and here in MLS with, with uh, Red Bull New York. It's it's a fascinating piece. You'll understand a lot more about style of play and kind of aggression and and pressing and kind of what they want to do. Your so. two, Steve's two recommendations on the show today are an obituary about music theater and a column about European soccer tactics. You're welcome. This is, this is why you listen to Lamestream. You're podcast. welcome. <laughs> <laughs> you get that type of advice. I will do a follow-up recommendation. Bonus, bonus recommendation. Bonus. Breaking recommendation. Because it ties into a little bit with soccer tactics. Uh, John Freeman, of course, who's been on this show and was the former voice of Nashville SC, was on the Club and Country podcast this past week. They offered up all their superlatives. It's a great listen, of course. Go listen to it, Wes Bowling and Tim Sullivan. But John told a really interesting story about how Gary Smith sort of had it in for like one of these coaches during the USL uh, days because of his commentary about Gary Smith's style of coaching, his tactical execution. And it's like this German coach trying to explain in his second language about, you know, Gary Smith's traditional English style. And like Gary took so much offense to it that he was like still attacking up three, nothing at the end of the game. (laughs) (laughs) And so you got, which again is if you know anything about Gary Smith and Nashville SC is not exactly their particular brand of of soccer. So uh, along those lines, lots of great stories about Gary Smith and Nashville SC go check out club and country as well. Check out the articles, um, the obit and the article from Steve, make sure you're checking out Stephen Godfrey as well. Thank you guys all for listening. Thank you to Jonathan Hutton for giving us so much of his time. We really do appreciate it. And we will take him up on the offer to have him on to just, talk about non outkick stuff, just media stuff, because Steve apparently has a huge crush on his voice. So thank you for, for Hutton for hanging out with us. Steve, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter at Scavenish. Braden, where can they find you? You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall, at 440 Sports on Twitter, at 440 Media on Instagram. And of course, go to Jasper's. Make sure you pop by over on West End, the next evolution of the sports bar, free parking, great food. We love the folks over at Jasper's. Make sure you check that out. Thank you guys all for listening, of course. Have a great weekend. This has been Lamestream Sports here on the 440 Sports Network.